That's right, everyone. There's an intro now. As soon as I got done the podcast last week, my friend Andy Pank, uh, he's a listener of the podcast and an awesome musician. He reached out to me and said, hey, Will, use uh, one of my songs if you want for the intro. So I'm using one of his songs as the intro to the podcast now. It's called Broken Love. Um, It's a great song. Check out Andy Pank on Spotify and Apple. Uh, He's an awesome musician and a great friend. Um, Hope you all enjoy the podcast and I will talk to you later. How long does it take to edit these things? Uh, well, the last one that I recorded, I was, like, coughing the whole time. <laughs> nice. And so I had to edit out the coughs, because uh-huh. there were just, like, big audio spikes. Yeah. But the rest of them, I just, like, I edit out the beginning and the end to points where it's, like, pretty good, and then that's it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if there are any, like, massive audio spikes for some reason, I just... Uh, quiet this down but people love the authenticity of it this is a really low production <laughs> low budget podcast cool yep so you went for a little run this weekend i went for a run the blue hills was fun the blue hills what a um so you did a double out and back yes. which is horrifying <laughs> i feel like after the first one i would be just like done yeah so the backstory of this is like i think it was Thaisha thinks it was last year. I think it was the year before last. So, like, the summer when I was first getting into running. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was like, Mac, want to do a double hill? <laughs> and I did one lap and then did, like, the um, eastern side that's, um, like, the 10 miles. And so yeah, all that was yeah. left was the five miles on the other side with the, like, really steep hill. Yep. And Classic. I bailed. <laughs> but I, I, I was going to be late for a class, so. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. It's like, no, I'm going home, I'm not missing my class, and also I'm dead. Yeah, that's so, fair. So it was nice because this time it was my idea. I was like, ooh, we could go do that because I didn't feel like leaving Boston or going far this weekend. Yep. And so, yeah, that's the nice thing about Blue Hills. You get, like, actual terrain and, like, vert in yeah. and it's like r- more rugged that you would not expect in the greater boston area mm-hmm. that's one of the nice yeah blue hills is shockingly difficult and yeah like, it doesn't have the extended climbs that like the whites has but it has so much vertical and like bad terrain for the like for where it is yeah exactly it's very interesting well, okay i need to ask you a little bit about your route because oh. i've looked online and uh-huh. the, the women's FKT, both of them that are currently on there are flagged because they did the route wrong. So oh. If you did the route the way the FKT guys want you to do the route, then you, like, automatically have it. What What is the route I'm supposed to do? So, basically, the, the, the stipulation for the FKT that, like, the other people messed up on is that one... Uh, on one go around of the route, you have to take the north skyline and then the south on the way back. And then on the other one, you have to take the south and then the north. So you have to like, oh, it switch, you go one. up each. Yeah, sorry, both times I went up the north. Ah, brutal. And down the south. <laughs> ah, whatever. Next time. You can. I, mean, I can go do it next weekend. <laughs> next weekend. <laughs> Just a casual another 30 mile day with like 8,000 feet of vertical. Why not? It's great. It's. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Um, yeah, what, <laughs> I don't know, what compels you to go do that kind of ridiculousness? I don't know. I feel like it's, 
just the Blue Hills in itself, like, I feel like one out and back for me is, like, this is excruciatingly boring. And then, th- like, thinking about getting toward, to, like, the start point and being, like, I'm going to do that entire thing all over again. Yeah, I guess being with someone, like, doing that alone would probably suck a bit. Doing it with Deja was fun. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, like, a nice weather day. Mm-hmm. It isn't, like, the cool, big nature of, like, being up in the whites, but still, like, pretty trail. Yep. And... You know, it's just a nice day out. Yeah, definitely. So that's cool. So what is uh, what's on the docket? Like, why why are you doing that run? Oh, um, I'm really trying to focus on elevation a lot this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I signed up for my second hundred miler, which will be the Run Rabbit Run in Steamboat. So cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. Awesome. So that one's double the vert of last year's race. How much was in the mid state? Mid state massive uh, was. 10,000k so this one's 20,000k sure and also it's at elevation steamboat yep <laughs> so <laughs> when you say at elevation what is like what's the, kind of the base of it i don't remember off the top of my head yeah because uh, i'd imagine it's like in the at least 6,000 yeah range? it's at whatever it like happens at the steamboat resort and mm. then goes up so <laughs> whatever that is <laughs> that's awesome that's gonna be yeah it's gonna be hardcore when is that that is September 16th. Oh, I think your laptop's making noise. That's fine. Okay, cool. It screams sometimes, but okay. the, I think the mic's far enough away. Okay, cool. If not, they can listen to some... Uh, some static. Some, yeah, it's just, uh, it's white noise if you're trying to sleep to this podcast. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have that happening, and then um, I'm doing the Twisted Branch 100K again, which will be fun. Mm-hmm. You're doing that one too, right? Yeah, it's you, me... Uh, I don't think I'm doing No, it. you're not. Yeah. Okay. So, Deja, Jacob, and I are doing that one together, nice. which will be fun. That's in August, correct? That's in August, yeah. Cool. Nice. Uh, yeah, those will be a blast. Yeah, that 100K, you said? Yeah, that one's okay. 100K. Cool. That, That'll be probably your last big thing before tapering for... Uh, yeah, run, 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 exactly. So, yeah. I'll do that, and then I'll start to taper. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, talk to me a little bit about getting i don't think we've ever talked about how you got into this ultra stuff Ooh. i feel like no one has a good reason to get into this stuff <laughs> you know? um well i was never a runner um yep i basically started running because i am competitive and didn't like being slow so like <laughs> i got i got really into backcountry skiing because of newhawk northeastern's outing club yep um, but you know, I was, try- I was going with Jacob and Dan and, um, Deja. And so all of these tall men that are fast uphill. <laughs> and so <laughs> I would just be the last one coming up the slope and I didn't like it. <laughs> so I, I was like, I'm going to start running. So I have a cardio base and can be faster. That's hilarious. All right, maybe let's back up a little oh, bit. Oh, more, okay. Back up more, because I want... Yeah, we're going to talk about Newhawk, but I think that's a good entry right. point. So, you come to Northeastern. We go to the same school. At yes. Northeastern uh, <laughs> University, uh, both graduating very soon here. In uh, a week. In a week, yeah. <laughs> Coming right up here. Oh, boy. Um, and we're in the outing club. How, yeah. did you, uh, how did you discover the outing club? How did you get into it? And, like, what is that, yeah, what does that process look like? Oh, okay. So, I am from Orlando, Florida. Yes. Very mountainous, <laughs> very snowy. So, 
so mountainous, so snowy. So like I'd done enough of like summer camp in the Carolinas and like my fan, my dad was really into skiing growing up. And Mm -hmm. so like for 10 days every year, we'd go visit some uh, family friends in Colorado and would ski first chair to last chair for 10 days straight. Sure. Um, So I like knew enough that I knew I liked a lot of the outdoors and wanted to be more into it, Mm -hmm. but not had any of the opportunity because of where I grew up and like, you know, my parents would like go camp at the local state park, but that was kind of it. Gotcha. And so I came to college and the first weekend of college, I went to the Newhawk Lodge in New wow. Hampshire. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So for people who don't know, Newhawk has a has a building, a mm-hmm. lodge, if you will, in the uh, in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, kind of right outside Gorham. Um, so sort of northern whites area. Um, very cool. There's a yurt there now. Hopefully mm-hmm. there'll be a lodge there at some point. <laughs> we should be building next season, I think. Okay. Yeah. I'm okay. in the process. Of, I'm, uh, so I got so into this club for five years straight that now I'm in charge of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm in the process of trying to secure us a 10-year lease. Yeah. Glad to see it finally. And this will give us a summer to finish up the tool shed and like yeah. get, sort of get all the prep ready so that we can hit the ground running. Yeah. There's a lot of prep work that needs to happen. Yeah. So. Definitely. That'd be cool. Yeah. So you go to the Newhawk Lodge week. <laughs> I go to the Newhawk Lodge, yeah. week one of college. It happened to be the, like, a, like, dedication uh, of a new building there and an alumni weekend. Mm-hmm. And so, like, seeing all these people who, some of them had graduated in, like, the 70s and wow. the 80s. Yeah. And they were just still part of the Newhawk community and so invested in the, the place to that and the group itself, like... You know, having just come to college mm-hmm. and not knowing a soul, like a community that tight knit seems super special to me. And I was yeah. like, okay, I want to be a part of that. Sure. So that joining that group kind of gave me the opportunity to like really get into the outdoors. Yeah. Because, you know, I could just spend every single weekend in the White Mountains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it also just like gives you like automatically like hooks you up with a bunch of like light, like-minded outdoorsy people in like the center of Boston so that... Like, mm-hmm. you can also just, I don't know, have a group that's you know is going to get out all the time and that you can get out with stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Get out, do things, have people to, like, show you the ropes a bit in some ways. Yeah. yeah. So, what Mac was talking about earlier, she is now the uh, Lodge Committee Chair of the, of the <laughs> New Hawk Club. Uh, what... For people who don't know, this is like a really intensive position and it requires <laughs> a lot of effort. So much work. So, one, did you know what you were getting into? Two, how, like, if you did know what you were getting into, what compelled you to take that on? Oh, that role? Um, I guess I did kind of know what I was getting into. Like, I'd watched what ha- the other LCCs mm-hmm. and um, kind of, like, seen their responsibilities. And a lot of it is just, like, dealing with other humans, you know, answering emails, giving responses, and... You know, sometimes just telling people to shut up. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just, it's one of those things where, like, when you care so much about something, it's kind of nice to, like, have it be your baby. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, I knew I'd be good at this job, mm-hmm. and therefore it's like, I just wanted to be able to do it, because then I could do it my way and be really happy about the way it was done. Yeah. That makes sense. That's super fair. Yeah. So, that's just nice to do. And how does it feel now that that is quickly coming to an end? Uh, bittersweet in some ways, but, you know, that's the cool thing about Newhawk, like, 
I won't be in charge of it and it won't be my baby anymore, but you get to be involved in the group for life and kind of like see it move on. And like, you know, COVID was really rough for us. Being an yeah. outdoors club that can't meet and go outdoors is hard. <laughs> um, but this like new generation we've had in the past year is just so amped and awesome and already seems to care about so much about the community and the place and yeah. so it's like I know I'm leaving it in great hands yeah yeah there's been a pretty incredible rebound like so you know when there was a pretty strong group before COVID started and then COVID happened and there's like a a pretty big gap of like you know a year where the incoming freshmen and like the freshmen that year didn't get to do a whole lot with the club so we really struggled there for a while with like kind of having everyone who's involved with the club being like third year or older mm. and then like now this year everything has really opened up and people are getting back into it people are like the the young people are having seem to be having a great time with it Such, yeah <laughs> maybe too good of a time with it. a know, real good time <laughs> bring it back to earth a little bit but they're uh, i don't know they're they're taking the reins and it's i agree it's like it's it's bittersweet but it's good to see that the the club is in good hands yeah for sure um cool all right so <laughs> you're part of newhawk now yeah you're backcountry skiing well how'd you get how'd you get into backcountry skiing being from florida well like i said i knew how to ski mm-hmm. because since i was two we would spend a week every, like a week to 10 days every year skiing in colorado yeah first chair to last chair and like my dad wanted to do black, so that meant we were going to follow him down blacks and we were going to manage to get down. Sure. So, you know, when you... Obviously, that wasn't, like, as good as, like, if I would lived out there, but, right. you know, comparing it to, like, the average person who just, like, lives somewhere snowy and goes to the mountains every once in a while. Yeah, definitely. At a decent base level. And so then I just, you know, once I was here in college, I was just constantly skiing with friends who were better than me and therefore you get better. Sure. And then they had Newhawk did like an intro to backcountry trip and did we did like a group airy course and I was like Ooh. oh this is so much fun a I like the uphill because it's like hiking in the winter but more fun and I like that and you don't have to hike the downhill <laughs> and, yeah I get to ski yeah. and there's not a bunch of people there like at a resort and right. so I just I like earning my turns and I think I at this point like backcountry and getting to skin. A lot more than riding lifts. Yeah. So. That's a common thing I've heard from. I had a fellow named Zach McCarthy on the podcast a couple weeks ago who runs Inclusive Ski Touring. And a very common thing I've heard from backcountry skiers is that, like, once you start backcountry skiing, the idea of sitting on a chairlift just becomes less and less uh, attractive to you. Mm -hmm. And, like, I so I've started getting into backcountry a little bit this year, but I, like, don't want to lose, I don't know. I just, like, I, I worry that if I get into it too far, I'll, like, my parents will be like, come skiing, and I'll be like, no, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> let me put it this way. The, if I went to, like, alter or something, I'm still going to have a great day at a resort. Right. But versus, like, a bad day at Sunday River when I could go, you know, hang out in the GBA Glade, I'm going to go do that. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So what are some of the... They're, this is a real niche podcast. Some people like really <laughs> like the nitty gritty of like the roots and stuff. Where's some uh, where are some little like gem spots for glade skiing or like backcountry skiing in general around around our area? Um, 
I don't know if I have, I don't really have any like secret stashes to divulge. Um, How about for me, the, the guy who thinks of backcountry skiing in New Hampshire as tux. Ah, okay. So Granite Backcountry Alliance, uh, GBA, they um, cut some really great uh, glades that are awesome places to check out. Okay. So those are really fun. Do they have Um, it like mapped out? Yeah, they have it all mapped out online. Um, So those are a great place to go. They're all super fun. Okay, cool. Um, Those are cool. If you're... In Massachusetts, Watodic is surprisingly nice. Where is that? Watodic is up by Ashby, uh, Massachusetts, in Western Mass. Okay, all right. Um, so that's nice. And then if you're trying to just get some training in, yep. <laughs> there's a whole group of people that do midweek early dawn patrol at Wachusett. Because oh, <laughs> they have a $50 season uphill pass. Oh, wow, that's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. So, like... I, you know, I've been getting into the schema races, mm-hmm. so therefore I'm like, oh, I gotta train really hard to get fast at the uphill, yep. which means I show up at 5 a.m. at Wachusett on a Wednesday <laughs> to go skin for three hours and then drive back to class. Right. Yeah, jeez. I, I, I think I might know where where these connect but like why schema <laughs> oh um jacob is the one who dragged me into that of course but, yeah um you know schemas like just all the components of backcountry uh but on light gear and you're trying to go fast yep. and it's just it's this absurd suffer fest that's just like really funny in no sense almost <laughs> to me like the absurdity of it is kind of what makes it just like a blast yeah that makes sense to me. I mean, it's just, like, in the whole grand scheme of, like, ridiculous things to do, like... It's very ridiculous, yes. Well, you like, put on these tiny, silly lycra suits. You yep. get on these dumb, thin, terrible-for-the-downhill mm-hmm. chopstick skis. Nice. You race up, then you put, then you boot pack, and then you, ski, and then you end up skiing down, and they're terrible on the downhill because, like I said, they're uh, thin chopstick skis that are made for the up. And you do it again. It's that's very incredible. Funny. I feel like there's part of it too that's like you're t- this thing that was originally created as like this sort of resort, like bougie activity, and you're just taking it, like taking the classic resort skiing, and you're saying let's make it as sufferfesty as humanly <laughs> possible. <laughs> okay, uh, it's. It, I saw this great sticker. I think it was like on a post outside the gear room in Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. but the sticker said, Schemo, it's neither. <laughs> and I was like, that's the best. <laughs> and it's so accurate. <laughs> it's its own dumb thing, Wait, what, but it's great. What is the most in for? Mountaineering. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay, <laughs> Which, that makes sense. If you go to Europe, they have some races that are ma- way more like mountaineering and like gotcha. intense, but in the U.S., it's... Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So where where are most of those schema races that you're doing taking place? Oh, I I do a lot of the like uh, Northeast Rando series mm-hmm. around here. So um, some of them have been. They, we had a couple backcountry races on Greylock that were super cool. Yep. Um, and then we've gone to like Bromley. We had one race at Dartmouth this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Middlebury's had one. So a bunch of these like random little resorts around the northeast. Cool, that's yeah. very interesting. When you say like a backcountry thing at Greylock, is 
is the track or the trail like tracked out at all or are you guys the ones like is it powder and you guys are like <laughs> it was it was broken in because you have to set the course right so okay. i'll get skied a bit and is broken in a little because you have to set the course gotcha um so it's not like fresh powder fresh turns but gotcha. it was definitely like backcountry conditions also um especially the second race because we didn't get to do that mountain this season there wasn't the snow for it oh that sucks there, yeah the season was crappy yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> My my last schema race of the season, we started with our skis in our hands because we had to run 200 feet up to the snow through mm. the grass. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they weren't like, no, let's move the start up. No, they were like, no. you will run across the grass. <laughs> you got to get the burden. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so tough. That's so funny. There was this one strip on the way down. There's an entire, like, two-foot-wide strip that went across the entire trail where there's just no snow and it was grass so you would kind of hit the grass and skid over to the next snow patch and just pray you didn't crash <laughs> pray you didn't pray, crash pray you didn't just like strip the bottom off your skis it was so bad that's so but it beautiful. was so great uh, <laughs> i love it that's amazing yeah i need to get yeah i at a later date i'll get Fasia and jacob on here separately and grill them about their ridiculous activities and how they got into those too yeah jacob literally just he he heard about schemo because uh jonathan who is the director of the races saw jacob standing in the wachusett parking lot and was like you look like you'd like this (laughs) and then jacob needed a ride to the second race because he couldn't take meg's car (laughs) and so he's like mac i think you'd like this also will you drive me (laughs) (laughs) and that's how i ended up doing that (laughs) wow that's that's incredible Uh, do you (laughs) oh my god do you think schemo has helped you're skiing more or you're running more um probably my running because the schema races have not technically made me like a better downhill skier you know because it's just like you you're going down very in a very silly way on these dumb skis you know (laughs) like you kind of have to be a really good skier to ski and then you still look kind of terrible because you're Right. When I'm thinking, when you say these like skinny little skis, I'm picturing mm, like cross country skis. Oh, they're right here in my closet. Oh, beautiful. One second. Beautiful. This is great a ritual aid for a podcast. Yes, this is incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh. This podcast is going to be an absolute mess audio wise. But you know what? Y'all are going to love it. I'll put a photo of these in the description or something. We're going to make it work. Or. Actually, if you follow the Instagram account, uh, I'll post these skis with the podcast photo on the Instagram account. Hold on. Oh gosh, am I in this picture? Yeah, you are in this picture. Wow, those are... Whatever, I look like this. Incredible. Those are skinny skis. Yes, and they are quite light if you want to pick one up. Oh yeah, wow, they're super light. But if you look like they have no, like, shape to them to, like, for, like, the way they ski, they are just very thin and um, obviously pin bindings. Yep. And here's the thing. This is the minimum, like, so every, all the skiers, they have to, because everyone's concerned about uphill and weight, Mm -hmm. they have to set for the races 
um, minimum length your skis can be. Oh, interesting. Because otherwise everyone will just buy shorter and shorter, like, kid-sized skis. Yeah. So I think these are 150, because that's the shortest women are allowed to have their skis be. They are... Uh, it, I, it was on them somewhere here. 151. Yeah, these are 151, which is the shortest women's skis are allowed to be. Wow. And just like... So, if since people are probably wondering, these are 65 underfoot. Yeah. Super skinny. <laughs> yeah. What's funny is, since I am 5'1", yep. um, <laughs> these actually aren't terribly short for me, but yep. for, you know, the, like, 5'9 women who are doing this, <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, that's awesome. So, this is what I mean by it. Definite, skiing on terrible skis and just, like, bombing down mm-hmm. doesn't technically ma- didn't technically make me a better like downhill skier yeah so i'd probably say it has improved my up more just because it's a great cardio base yeah that's super fair and it's that's great fair. like something yeah. to do in the winter you know adding the vert so much vert yeah so much vert gotta get all the vert you can yeah yet another reason focusing on vert this year is great not just for the races i'm doing but mm-hmm. i'm hoping it'll make me a lot stronger on the uphill for the next schema season yeah definitely that's super fair too yeah. um yeah i want to give one more speck about these skis <laughs> that i saw on the side which is that they are 97 at the tip which is skinnier than my skis are underfoot which is wild <laughs> good for them yeah these are <laughs> these are such silly skis <laughs> Oh my god. So, alright. So you got into backcountry, you got into uphill, and then you were like, wow, this... Did you get into ultras or or schemo first? Oh, uh, ultras. So, like, fall of 2019, slash winter of 2019, I had gotten into backcountry and I was annoyed that I was slow, so I started just kind of running, like, during the week in the city. Yep. And then... March 2020, COVID hit, and suddenly I had nothing to do. I'd started running a bit more and running on trail a bit with Jacob, and that was fun. Okay. And we were like, well, we got nothing to do, and uh, this is fun. So (laughs) both of us just started running a lot more together Mm -hmm. and doing a lot of trail, and it just kind of kept being this, like, this is a blast. You know, it's like a – and, like, it's not like I don't run fast. I'm just, like – Going for a cruise in the woods and having fun. Yeah, definitely. And so I just kept being like, that was fun. Let's go farther. Let's that go was fun. Way. Why does that have to be over already? Sure. So, you know, that's kind of just how it kept going. And then I reached, like, July of 2020 and was like, cool, I think I'm going to do an ultra now. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so do you remember Do you remember what your first time pushing, whether it was a, an organized race or just, like, going out for a run, like, what was the first time that you pushed more than a marathon? Uh, do I remember off the top of my head? Um. And if not, what was your first organized ultra? Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, first time pushing more than a marathon, I'm trying to remember the first time I did, like, 30, yeah. you know? Uh, I think, like, it was in that summer of 2020. Yeah. Uh, it okay. might have been, just, like, do, running the Prezi with Mike Nelson. It might have been when I did the Mahusik Traverse with mm-hmm. Jacob and Thasia. But I don't remember off the top of my head. But I, would like, started getting into the 30s and then the 40s. And then, like, December 2020 is when I just, like, did my first 100K. Yep. So. Okay. That makes sense. I remember running into you and Mike Nelson on the presidential Yeah! Race. That was so <laughs> funny! <laughs> I think I was coming... I knew you guys were out there, I think, mm-hmm. and we were going to, like, 
I knew I was going to run <laughs> into you at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think I ran into you coming down Madison. Yeah. And I was going up Madison. Yeah. And then we reconnected on Adams. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, how it went. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so how did your first ultra go? Like, what what was it like being like, oh, I'm going to be out here for a long time and I'm racing other people, so I have to... Oh, I wasn't racing other people. Sorry. So what happened is I decided in July I was going to do 100K. And then I like... Oh, right, right. Yes. The Florida Trail. The Florida Trail. Let's talk about the Florida Trail. (laughs) Well, yeah. So I decided I was going to do this. So I open up training for the uphill athlete. Mm -hmm. I look at the training plan. I'm like, cool. So uh, in December is when I'm going to be ready to do this. And then I was like, well, I'm going to be home in December. There are no races happening. And it's Florida. So (laughs) I uh, opened up a map, picked a section of the Florida Trail that would be the right distance, mapped out where I would need, like, food, and then called my dad and said, Hi, I need you to crew me because I'm going to do this thing. And he was like, This is insane. This is stupid. What are you doing? (laughs) Yes, I will help you. (laughs) That's a a wonderful dad response. (laughs) Wonderful dad response. (laughs) So you... As a, as a person who has only ever run in New England and I guess like I've done some stuff, you know, I hiked the AT, so I was a little bit down in the South, but like I think of the Florida trail as like 100% swamps, bayous, gators, and snakes. What? Pretty accurate. <laughs> um, it, I was in the Ocala section, the Ocala National Forest. Okay. Um, and so I'd say a huge... The sand, the soil there is just like all sand. Interesting. So running through it is like <laughs> energy sucking. I energy imagine. sucking. That's the thing. It was like super flat for a trail to do, mm-hmm. but it was just like a big energy suck in terms of like just all the sand. And then um, it just like wasn't that well marked, and so I had to like it was like especially during the I started at like four a.m. and that mm-hmm. first like hour. It was so humid that uh, my headlamp was like, ref- the light was like refracting off the water droplets, <laughs> so I couldn't really like see in front of me, and then I like multiple times just saw like glowing eyes, like reflective eyes kind of like in the trees, and oh I was like, God. I'm going to keep running past this, um, and yeah, it was just kind of weird. Uh, oh, also it was hunting season, so like, oh, I mean, nice. <laughs> I, which was funny, my dad, I had Hadn't really mentioned to him the, that detail. And so I get a call from him. He's like, it's hunting season. And I'm like, yeah, my, my pack's uh, neon pink. I'm fine. It's got reflective things on it. <laughs> oh Wait, did he figure this out while you were out there? or like? I, I, I knew. I just hadn't mentioned that fact to him. Oh, okay, okay. That's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, like, it, there were just a lot of, like environmental factors that were just like a little silly in terms of like yeah it's basically running through a swamp and did you see gators and snakes out there oh yeah saw some snakes saw a couple gators not as many gators as like like this trail was a lot of like sandy grassland or like uh florida type of like marshland forest ish thing you know so not like um exact swamp like, you had okay. pass a couple swamps, but I wasn't, like, running through through one. Okay. Yeah. I, but, like, the week before, I'd done, like, a run around the swamp in Gainesville, and mm-hmm. I think I counted 
14 gators. Oh, That's <laughs> terrifying. Which was fun. <laughs> no, it's not fun. They're going to they're gonna eat you. There was only one actually on the trail. The rest were in the water. So when I was you, running on like a levee through a swamp. When you uh, <laughs> when you run into a gator on the trail, what's the the proper etiquette? Do you just like <laughs> do you yell at it? Do you say "Go away, gator"? Or do, like, does it run away from you? It, it was like far in front of me, and so I like slowed down and slowly just started to walk. And then like it kind of saw me and went into the water, mm-hmm. and I I was still very far away from it to be clear. And then I once it was in the water, I was like cool and just ran by gotcha on okay. the levee how, it was like on the edge of like <laughs> how big do the gators get down there in florida yeah like 14 feet <laughs> i mean they're gators <laughs> that is terrifying i, I, I mean I, I grew up with them i guess so it's like i mean don't walk up to it and poke it but there's <laughs> there's a gator in like every lake in Florida, you know? Right. Like, so... So it's just like, oh, I'm It's going to be somewhere. Right. Like, I'm swimming in the lake today. I better let my parents know that I might not make it back because there's probably a gator. <laughs> not unless you're that toddler in Florida. Oh, no. Oh, did Wait. you know? There was a toddler in Disneyland that got eaten by a gator. Oh, no. Yeah. Poor kid. Right? In Disneyland? Yeah. Was it the gator supposed to be there? Yeah, I mean, like the the like edge of Disneyland, a lot of the area of Disneyland, there's like swampland because all of Florida is a swamp filled that right, they right, filled right. in and then built stuff on top. So of. It. it wasn't like a gator attraction, though. No, no, no. This kid had just wandered off, mm. and like you know, if you walk away from like the built up stuff in Disney, you're in the middle of a swamp. Right. And then why yeah. did they? Why do you build an amusement park in the middle of a swamp? Because like, the entire place? state is just... <laughs> it's just Disney? Or just swamp? No, it's just swamp. Both. Both. <laughs> Both. That's fair. just have to imagine there are like some easier places to build than on a swamp, right? No? Uh, I mean... <laughs> there's uh. like sandy areas where there's like the clay of Claremont, which is all farmland, and the, mm. or the orange groves. I think yeah. they. I think they did. It was like a bunch of orange groves. They cut. They cut down for Disneyland, and then like swamps on the side. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So <laughs> that's Florida. Anyway. That's, that's just so important. Oh, man. <laughs> the people need the backstory of the poor child at Disneyland. Uh, oh, uh, also all the mosquitoes have to be remembered. All oh, of the right. mosquitoes. Right, right, right. Would you say the mosquitoes are more vicious down there than they are up here? Like, oh yeah. Okay. The mosquitoes are way worse, but you don't have black flies. Mm, okay. So. Okay. Definitely. Are, are a they... lot of other bugs, though. So what many kind of bugs. So many cockroaches. Oh no. <laughs> I I have a cockroach phobia. I oh. I hate them. I hate them so much. I doesn't like. Do you hate them more than the normal person? Because like, yes, I feel like everyone. Yes, hates them. <laughs> I um had one land on my. Uh, so there are these things called palmetto bugs in Florida. Okay. They are uh, cockroaches the size of your palm. <laughs> That fly. So I had one fly and land on me as an outdoor party when I was like 13. And I, I think had like a panic attack and cried for approximately three hours. Oh my God. Which it did not help that my grandma just was yelling at me the whole time. (laughs) She's like, it didn't hurt you. I'm like, Out. That's so, yeah, like, 
Yeah. I hate them so much. <laughs> that's incredible. So, so that's Florida. And so you're like, yeah, I'm going to run 100 uh, kilometers in the wilderness of this place. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm going to do that. Um, and so I, I, I also, uh, by the way, decided that the K in 100K had to stand for cartwheel. Um, so uh, as I ran this um, by myself, I also did 100 cartwheels. <laughs> Did you do like? Did you just do cartwheels whenever you wanted, or was it one per kilometer? Oh, just whenever I wanted, I just kept track and counted. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Were there any that were over logs or other things? Of course, I got a cartwheel over the obstacles. Right, of course. There's no other way to go over. It would have been real cool if I just cartwheel over the gator. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be the cool move. That would be impressive. I would give you that. <laughs> that'd be if I ever have like a sideshow at Gatorland. That's what I'll do. Right. <laughs> Just progressively more dangerous as you get more tired. It's like I'm on mile 75 and the gator is a foot longer than it used to be. <laughs> oh my god. So what, how much of it did you, did you run it all by yourself? Did you have any pacers? And like what was the sort of, what was the resupply uh, system like? Like how far were you running in between getting resupplied? Um, the first section I did like 20 miles um, and then got a resupply and the rest of them were, I think about 15 apart. Okay. Um, and I, I did this alone. My dad was like meeting me at all these spots and <laughs> for the record, like this is bumfuck nowhere. <laughs> like he almost got his car stuck on this like sandy road and had this random redneck hunter yelling at him. And <laughs> the, like, this is like. He's trying to just, like, drive on these, like, dirt roads to find this Google Map pin I dropped (laughs) for him. But, yeah, it was just him and me. That's incredible. (laughs) He pulled through. That's awesome. So, I'd imagine running, doing your first 100K in the woods, like, by yourself, no other pacers, no other competitors, has to be mentally challenging. Like, how did you... How was that experience, especially as you got farther into it and you're getting tired? Like, how was it doing it by yourself? Oh, um, like the middle bonk around like 30 something was not the middle. Like the around like 30 something is when it hit really hard. Mm-hmm. I think I just like walked for a long time and I was just like, I don't know, feeling kind of crappy and feel, and just like thinking too far out of like, oh, this I still, I'm yeah, just like, oh, I'm still going. And that part just felt like, why am I doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, my dad, like, met me and I got more food. And then, I don't know, he was, like, giving me shit. And then I was, like, <laughs> and then I was fine again. Um, and, yeah, I think I left there and then I, like, called Jacob. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, talked to Jacob on the phone for 20 minutes. I, like, ate some more food. And then I started running again, and I, like, started to do good. Oh, by, by the way, my um, entire playlist for this run yep. was all, because I was in Florida, uh, Disney soundtracks. <laughs> 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 so I think what finally brought me out of it is, like, Mulan, uh, Man Out of You came on, and I was like, okay, <laughs> let's get down to business. <laughs> So I think this le- leaning into the absurdity always made it better. I just, can... It's got to commit to the bit. <laughs> That's serious commitment to the bit. I don't know. If... Wow. All Disney music? 
and a half hours of Disney music. That's so ridiculous. It was so good. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so you finish this 100K. You know every Disney song by heart. Yes. What what do you do next? Like, was there a period of time where you were like, I don't want to do anything right now. And then, like, wh- how did you get back into it? And, like, what was, I don't know, what was the next step for you? Um, A week after that, my whole family was doing, like, a half marathon together. So I did that. And mm-hmm. then uh, we all got COVID. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, I remember that. <laughs> so for three days when I, co- when I had, like, a very bad fever, I did not feel like doing anything. Right. Um, I, d- I seem to remember also, am I imagining that you just did like laps around your house (laughs) yeah i was going stir crazy but i didn't want to like so you know it's florida where people were being very terrible about covid yeah um and so i didn't want to like just like go for a walk and then have the neighbors be trying to talk to me and like walking up to Mm. me as i have covid and i was like so i just did like literally laps around my street over and over because i was just like going stir crazy (laughs) once the fever broke yeah Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think, like, within two weeks of finishing the 100K, I was like, cool, so I'm going to do a 100-miler now, and I signed up for Mid-State Massive. (laughs) So you did that in December. When was Mid-State? September. September. So September, or no, it was beginning of October 2021, because it was Columbus Day weekend. Gotcha. Okay. So, So you had some time to, like, rebound and train for that. Yeah. So you knew pretty much immediately, like, you did the 100K and you are like, all right, 100 miler, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, what's next? <laughs> so what's, is, is, like, for me, I feel like they're, like, the multi-day stuff is fun, um, but I, like, I look at multi-day stuff, like, even if it's a little bit longer than 100 miles, if it's multi-day, I don't really consider it to be longer, where, like... For me, I feel like 100 milers are kind of like the sweet spot of like, that's as far as I want to go. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have a big, there. you know, have you looked into the 250 milers is what I'm saying. They look interesting. Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe one day. I, I think that looks wild <laughs> to be cool. I just cannot imagine the places you would go. I uh, the highs and lows. Right. Of running for like three days straight. Two hundred I think oh I someone I want to have on the podcast soon, hopefully. I think she lives in New York or she's like she's around everywhere, but do you know who Stephanie Bishop is? The name sounds really familiar. She has the supported forty eight record for the women uh, right now. Okay. And she she was doing this run recently for I think it was Los Angeles to Los Angeles to Las Vegas or something like oh, that. Oh, I feel like I read about this somewhere. Yeah, it's absurd. It's like a th- I think three hundred miles, and she dealt with a lot of shit on it. But like, mm-hmm. I just look at that stuff and I'm like, I like, you must be on another. I like imagine hitting hundred and fifty miles and being like, oh, I've got a casual like hundred miles left to go. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't. I can't imagine what it, uh, uh, yeah <laughs> so have fun if you do that cool <laughs> yeah. it'll, be fun. it'll be so much fun so much fun <laughs> so what was uh what was the training like for the 100 miler was it back to training for the uphill athlete 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I've used that book a lot, and like I use it more for the um, distances, just to, like get the distance suggestions of how to like loosely structure a training plan. I don't really follow all of the like weak types it has and stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, I more like take some of the ideas from it, but I basically started with that because I didn't. I wanted to make sure I like had some kind of structure and therefore didn't like go crazy on the mileage without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like you know get hurt or, or feel yucky or something. Yeah. So I just did that to like loosely have a sense of structure. Um, and then other than that. I just kind of do whatever feels good (laughs) within that. And so for people who don't know, Training for the Uphill Athlete is a very popular book for people who are creating training plans for sort of getting into ultra running and just like want to know more about ultra running in general, especially like trail running, like people who are doing kind of adventure race kind of stuff. I don't, who's the author? Uh, Stephen A. House, Killian uh, Drenay, and uh, there's a third one I'm forgetting. Okay. Um, but it's it's the textbook yeah. and manual for anyone trying to like do an endurance sport. Yeah. It, it teach kind of teaches you how to coach and train yourself. It's it does a really good deep dive on like um, all of the uh, biological stuff going on in terms mm-hmm. of endurance. And so that's super cool, really kind of explaining um, anaerobic bases and lactate thresholds and all that stuff. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, just like all, it gives you, there's a huge amount of the science stuff. And then like the whole second half end of the book is like more specific training things. Yeah. So. Yeah. And for anyone wondering, that's also, that book was the book that Nick, Xander, and I based our training for the 100 Mile Wilderness on. So we, I think our... Our training schedule was, like, too tight for the 100-mile training plan, so we basically just, like, took the 100K training plan and then made the long days a little bit longer. And it <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. It was great. But we also did not at all adhere to, like, oh, this is a base week, this is an intensity week. We were just like, oh, like, when you're when you're doing your first 100-miler, I feel like it's more important to just, like, get the correct amount of time on your feet to yeah. just, like, feel what it's like to go that far. And, like, you can worry about you know, your speed on the second hundred or like yeah. whenever. I don't know. I did follow like its suggested pattern of like three like on weeks, one one rest yeah, week. definitely. And then like as it got higher in mileage, like I do, when I get higher in mileage, I do a two on, one off mm-hmm. just because that works better for me. Yeah, definitely. So. That's cool. That's cool. Cool to see the training. And that was during that summer of 2021 was when we did our oh. little uh i i oh. like to i like to say that we played a stupid game and we won a stupid prize <laughs> the wild river loop the, we did oh. this thing called the wild river loop which is uh in the eastern whites it's like it's like the pemi loop of the eastern whites so we basically have the pemi loop record <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but in a much more real sense we did this ridiculous loop that sort of surrounds the Wild River Wilderness, and we were the only mixed-gender team to ever do it, so we got it automatically. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) But it was was great. It's like a, I don't know, for people who love the roots and all that stuff, it's like, uh, it follows sort of like the Wildcat Mariah uh, Ridge for a while, and then 
When did we cut off? Uh, was it like was Carter it Black- Dome? Mm, I think we could. Didn't we cut down the Black Angel Trail? Yes, that yeah. sounds right. Um, and and then it kind of cuts straight through the. There's a longer version that dips down more and like circumnavigates the uh, wilderness area a little bit more. But like this one kind of cuts through the southern end of it and then links up with the High Water Trail, right? Yes, it goes Wild River to the edge of High Water, and then you end up back at the Wild River Campground. Yeah. So we crossed the river at some point. Oh, we yeah. crossed the river right at the we beginning. We crossed the river right at the beginning. <laughs> we went up the Shelburne Trails, if you were, like, headed towards the lodge. Yep. And then we took the left and went around um, and then ended up going back down Black Angel to high right. water. So. Right. Okay, okay. That makes sense. And we... So that route was around 30 miles, mm-hmm. and we did it in just, like... Water. Water. It's so much just, water. Just water. There was, it, wasn't, it wasn't like rain. It wasn't like snow. It was just water. I think you have Everywhere. a picture of me like standing like mid-calf deep yeah. in the water. Yeah. <laughs> because there was like, we'd gotten to a point where I was like, there's no use trying to walk around. Our shoes are completely soaked. Yeah. Just go through. It was just like, yeah, it was so ridiculous. There was, I think it only rained for like the first half of it or so, but mm-hmm. then just like the trails were so wet and so muddy. And like, once we cut off on the Black Angel Trail, it was almost like overgrown, like wet grass. So yeah. there's just like, there was no getting around it. We were going to be, uh, we were going to be wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, great time <laughs> great time great time awesome time we got to go back and make that faster <laughs> yeah we can definitely do uh do better when it's dry oh for sure um and so you reach the mid-state your first hundred miler yeah how was that ex- i know they they shifted the course a little bit and added more road running yeah so, so this is also Partially my Paul, pos- partially like they re- I really wish they'd made it more clear. Because it wasn't like on the initial sign up thing. You had to like look deeper into like the course map. Okay. But I'd been doing a bunch of training runs on the Mid State Trail because it's really convenient from yeah. here. And so, you know, it's also like why not run the course a bunch? And it's the trail, the Mid State Trail is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Does it go all the way from, like, the southern border of Mass to the northern, or is it, it, like... Yeah, it goes all the way through the entire state, and it goes over Wattatic, and it goes over Wachusett, and Mm -hmm. I love the trail. Cool. Um, And it's really easy, also, to set up, like, your resupplies and stuff, because it's through Western Mass, there's a bunch of these, like, little roads, Mm. Um, but, like, once you're on the trail, it feels really remote, which is cool. Okay, cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. so, like, it feels really remote, and then all of a sudden you hit a road, so it's, like, really easy to, like, make your plan drop bags, too. Yeah. Um, but, anyway, I thought they made it sound like it was going to be pretty much mostly on the trail. They'd been like, oh, we will deviate around private land. That did not explicitly say, and you didn't realize unless you went and really looked deeper into the course description, um, that it was about 30 miles of road, and that almost all of that was in the second half. Oh. Yeah. And I, I hate road. Yeah. Um, road, for some reason, like, I, my feet just cannot stand road. Oh, what do you, like, from a pain perspective? Yeah, or like yeah. A blister perspective? Pain. Oh, yeah. I don't really get blisters, but from a pain, per, for, for, for running, I don't get blisters. I have yeah. such bad schema blisters. Oh, sure, sure. But, because <laughs> my boots 
do not fit. Um, <laughs> That's great. But they were cheap. So, <laughs> um, but just from a pain perspective, for some reason, like Thasia and I, at some point early in the last spring, we did like the Boston Marathon route just for fun. Okay. And like I was in a bunch of pain by the end of just doing that road route. And I was like, oh, that's way too much road. Yeah. So anyway, I definitely should could have looked at the course closer. But I've been like, I've run this trail a bunch. I know the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there ended up being so much road that was so painful. My uh, crew ended up like going out and like coming back with lidocaine spray that I used on the bottoms of my feet. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds but, awful. <laughs> yeah, fast forward to like 3 a.m., me just kind of like limping along and hobbling <laughs> and kind of just like sobbing a bit with every step. It's <laughs> one of my lowest lows. <laughs> Thank God for Thasia. Yeah. Thasia was my pacer. Thasia was a godsend. Like, I would not have finished that race without Thasia. Seriously. He is fantastic. Thasia has to be the greatest pacer of all time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We we were joking about this yesterday. He was like, I have seen your running soul laid bare. Like, the highest (laughs) highs and the lowest lows. (laughs) He's seen it all. But it was like, I was so grateful to have him doing that with me. Because I was, I died a bit. That's awesome. Also, like, I think mentally I just got into a weird space for that race. Mm -hmm. So, like, by the way, I didn't mention it, but I, in the Twisted Branch 100K, this is going to be my second time doing it this year. So, I did it last year as well before my 100 miler. Oh, sure. So, yeah, I did it. Um, And that race, by the way, fantastic fucking time. Awesome. I had such a great, I enjoyed it so much. Uh, the people were super supportive, and I do think that was a better organized race than the Mid-State was. Gotcha. Um, like, the aid stations were really well-placed and had fantastic food. Yep. People were super helpful, and, like, the camaraderie was really great. Cool. Like, there, yeah. you know, I didn't have a pace or anyone for that, um, and it was just, like, you would just, like, run with people for forever. Mm-hmm. Like, I reached one spot, and I was about to leave the aid station, and this guy just goes, take me with you! <laughs> <laughs> He's like, cool. Uh, and we just run a bunch. Of, we ran a huge amount of the second half together, oh and that, you know, like there were its own challenges with that one. Like, I did an extra um, five miles because I kept getting lost oh, yeah, on that see. race. <laughs> it added up to an extra five miles. That's great. Um, and then, um, like, I did kind of bunk a bit on that last. There was, there was one la- last really steep uphill mm-hmm. that's, like, one of the longer sustained climbs because that race is a lot of smaller up and downs. Gotcha, okay. Um, but anyway, my I had still had, like, a fantastic time. And, like, even on, like, the hardest parts of that race, like, mentally I was just, like, enjoying it so much. And I think mentally going into that race, I hadn't, like planned too much or like anticipated too much mm-hmm. i was like i'm just gonna go have a blast and go enjoy a day out on the trail yep and so that's what i did and like i hadn't like put too much pressure on it in any way especially because it wasn't my like biggest objective gotcha yeah. and so like i also just was in like a really busy state when i was doing it like i was 
writing a final paper to and from the race <laughs> in the car. The yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote the paper on the way there and I edited in the car on the way back. <laughs> By the way, side note, do not do a seven hour drive straight through right after a race. I couldn't, oh, no. I couldn't stand up straight. Anton had to like pick me up and carry me inside the house because my legs locked up <laughs> and I couldn't get out of the car easily. I was too cramped. Oh no. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. But anyway, that race was amazing. So like that was what I'd just gone through in my last yeah. like big, big day mm-hmm. before 100K. So flat, fast forward to Mid-State Massive. I, like, was anticipating a bit more, and I was, like, getting amped for it, and there were just, like, a lot more logistics to plan, because, like, my dad was flying in to, like, help crew me, and, like, I was trying to figure out stuff with Thasia, and, like, Jake was trying to come just hang out for part of it, and so I was, like, trying to figure out all, like, the planning stuff, and then, like, you know, make all my, prep all the bags and food and stuff, and I also had just, um, for some reason, like, based off my Twisted Ranch time, I suddenly got this terrible idea in my head that I was like, oh, maybe I could be fast. (laughs) Which was a terrible thing to start thinking about. Because I just, I got into this place where I started the race thinking like, I'm going to try to be, you know, Mm -hmm. competitive somehow. I'm going to try to go hard. And then like my just perfectionism really kicked in hard on that race. Mm -hmm. And so like the second a bunch of stuff started going wrong, like, my, I had, I, I should have briefed Anton and my dad better on, like, some crewing things, because, like, <laughs> they let me leave the last aid station before dark in a t-shirt, and oh, no. I, I ended up getting, like, mild hypothermia, oh, um, and so, and just died and bogged, and so I roll in, like, very cold and very sad and tired to the 50 mile uh, aid station to like pick up Thasia and they're like oh no (laughs) (laughs) and then is when the part and then after that I had the part of like the feet dying um and just like through all that I'd kind of gotten into a bad spot where I was beating myself up a bit because I'd like gotten my I'd set my expectations wrong Mm -hmm. instead of just being like I'm doing this to enjoy myself. And also, like, I think the way in which I have to go at it is I want to feel like I'm push. I want to feel like I'm trying hard and pushing, but, like, I'm pushing myself. Yeah. I'm doing my best and whatever my best is at that moment. Mm-hmm. And also just, like, part of success for me is not only, like, feeling like I'm trying hard, but feeling like I'm trying hard in a way where I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And not even, like, necessarily, like, enjoying it like I'm having fun. Like, this can be type three fun, yeah, you know? Yeah. But that's fair. You want to feel like you're towing your personal line. Yeah. But like, I want to not be beating myself up as I'm doing yeah, it, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So like, I guess I just like the way I got into my head mentally for that race just wasn't good. Gotcha. And so that like really dragged it down a lot, you know? And so you said that somewhere between the aid station before night fell and like mile 50 is when this started how long did that mental funk stay with you uh i think it cleared up um kind of when the sun started to come up or i guess i really had the mental funk where i was beating myself up through the whole like dark hypothermia state and then <laughs> <laughs> there was one point where 
where like my dad was texting me because he's like, I, you completely fell off your like pacing plan of when you told us you'd get here. Are you okay? He's like trying to text my phone. Yeah. And I try to like walk for a second and text him back. It takes me like two minutes, three minutes to send <laughs> one text of one sentence because my fingers won't work. Yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. God, that's not, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> I think that's like a thing that a lot of people who aren't in the in the ultra running scene don't understand is like a huge, huge part of these races or just like efforts in general is the mental part. Like it's even you know, the obviously you're going a hundred miles, like the physical part's enormous, but like man, like being in like I'm sure that those few hours for you felt like probably like those few hours felt longer probably than like the rest of the race. That that was like the second longest part, but then you know there's the the, the foot dying part. Oh right, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So had the had the mental funk lifted by the time the foot stuff came around? It started to lift because as I was like still kind of hypothermic I ran into this guy and he started talking to me and he got me to like jog a little and then I was like warming up a bit mm-hmm. and he was like super cool and um so he he and i kind of ran into the 50 mile aid station together and then i put on some clothes and picked up the asia um and then um through the night that was like close to midnight and then midnight to like 7 a.m was probably like the deepest hardest part Mm. um i yeah the feet started to just be like in extreme pain like each step hurt so much and so like i i was really having a trouble keeping up like a running motion because like i couldn't like like the impact was hurting so i was doing this like weird shuffle hobble step (laughs) and like kind of just like whimpering with every step (laughs) and also i had not eaten enough like no i hadn't there i was trying to eat i wasn't i was like so like in the pain cave that i wasn't eating enough Mm -hmm. and so um yeah, I make it through, and I'm, like, starting to think I'm going to quit. I'm, like, not sure if I can do it. And <laughs> they just is like, okay, Mac, so for every aid station you make it to, pass, because we were about to hit an aid station, and it was going to be, there was, like, an aid station that was, like, un, like, it was a non-crew one. Okay. And then, like, five miles later was when I was going to see my dad um, and the rest of my crew. Yeah. And so... He's like, okay, every aid station you may get past after this one, I'm going to sign up and do a race with you next year. <laughs> and, he's like, and I'm like, what? How many aid stations were there left? Oh, there were like five or six. Wow. So technically he owes me a lot of races. but Yeah, yeah he does. That's impressive. That's that's motivation right uh, there. Also, I like that his motivation is, oh, you, I'm gonna get you do more running with you if you make it through this thing. You don't, you are pain and don't want to run right now. Right. Like that. <laughs> that was kind of funny. That. that is great. He just he's getting you in the mindset for more miles after yeah. these miles. Yeah, <laughs> that was hysterical. But like. <laughs> Like, looking back on it, I'm like, that's a very silly thing for him to come up with. But yep. I I appreciate it so much in the moment. Right. And it worked. And it worked, got... yeah. I got I got pulled in as, the sun, like, the sun coming up, like, you know, lifts your spirits a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I roll in at, like, 7 a.m. Uh, to, like, the 75 mile. And there's this funny video of, like, me 
trying to like pick up the pace and like do a run and I'm still doing just like a tiny little sad shuffle thing and Faze is just kind of walking next to me kind of looking down smiling as if he's trying not to laugh <laughs> I look back at that video and I'm like oh <laughs> can you wait do you have this video yes can you, I don't need to see it now but I need you to send it to me so I can put it on the, yeah. the Instagram you which... got it. Oh, sure you gotta give the people what they want oh. Just laugh at me. Yeah. But it was funny because, like, Jacob was there at that point because he showed up for the morning. And he took one look at me and just, like, shoved this bag of cookies into my hand. It was like, you are required to eat all of these cookies before I see you next. Because, really, I had been, like, shivering the entire night. And I was sitting there and Thasia was like, you know, it was like a Sendent jacket that's super yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yep. Which I found... I found a moose jaw, an extra small, the women's one. They discontinued wow. this jacket. And I have loved this jacket. I, I steal, I've stole it from him multiple times. Because <laughs> he always brings, like, extra layers. And he'll be and he'll be like, oh, you look cold. You, he'll, like, offer me his jacket because they're just too nice. Yeah. And so <laughs> I've stolen it a bunch and loved that jacket. I was mad I couldn't buy one. And then I found that one because I was just, like, randomly on moose jaw looking at gear. So now I finally have one. I'm super excited. Good for moose jaw. <laughs> right? <laughs> um... Anyway, I, uh, like, ten miles later, I, uh, I'd been, like, so cold because I had been, like, actually not eating enough food. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, like, the reason I was, du- I was, like, shivering the entire time as well. But as I'm, like, hobbling and, cr- and whimpering, um, <laughs> I hadn't warmed up that much. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> I roll it. So now, so now you are shivering, uh, hobbling, whimpering. <laughs> And cold. <laughs> yeah. So then, like, the sun comes up, and uh, I get to the aid station, and my dad and Anton and Jacob are there. And at that point, like, I'm like, okay, I'm not quitting now, because I cannot, I can't quit while they're all standing here staring at me. And right. at this point, I guess I'm just gonna finish. <laughs> so Jacob shoves the cookies in my hand, and like, ten miles later, is when I see them again, and. I, he, this is how you can tell I was in just like a very silly state because I'm just like look at Jacob and I'm just like as if like you're talking to a teacher you think's disappointed you Jacob I'm sorry I didn't finish the cookies there's one left <laughs> <laughs> you must have been so disappointed in you so disappointed in me somehow got like that like you know last couple of mile wind that hits Mm -hmm. so like I think the last like four miles or five miles I did it like a 15 or 16 minute pace which was a lot faster than I'd been going (laughs) so yeah I think I finished in like 30 and a half hours okay um and what a journey yeah what a journey by the way, I, I like the lowest lows, and then like the first half before I hit um, Wachusett in Nightfell, mm-hmm. I, I had been like on a cloud nine. Oh, I should sure. mention. Yeah. So like it was <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This was an experience. An emotional roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know about roller coaster. It's more like an emotional like tower of terror. Because you know? <laughs> it never goes back up. It's just like crash and then you get through it there were some minor ups it did like the thing tower terror you know they bring you all the way up and then they crash down 
And, and then they go halfway up and crash again, and then a quarter up and crash, and then half and then crash, and then a quarter and then crash. Right. I've been on Tower of Terror a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite ride at Disney World. That's awesome. And I would pull out the, it's like those old-fashioned seatbelts across you, right? So okay. I would like pull the entire belt out as far as it went, mm-hmm. and then sit on it. So when they came by to check you and pulled it, it would be taut, but really I had a bunch of the seatbelt under oh my, my side. <laughs> so then I would fly up on that first flight. It would like almost slide out of my chair and then bang into the bottom. And as a kid, I thought that was fun. That's, wow, that's incredibly dangerous, but hilarious. <laughs> it was great. I, I did that every time I went on Tower Terror. That's amazing. When I, I've only been to Universal when I was in like second grade. It's a Universal, right? Oh, no, this is Disney. Tower Terror is at Hollywood Studios and Disney. Hollywood Studios, right. Yeah. I've been there, but I was in second grade, and at the time, I was terrified. Oh. <laughs> I think at the time, I was, like, starting to get over roller coasters, but, like, the drop rides, like, no. And so we were in line, and my parents both really wanted to go on it, and I was like, oh, I don't want to go on it. So then my dad had to sit out with me while oh. my mom went on it with <laughs> my brother. It was very sad, but that's all right. They went back there, I think, in the last couple months. And he got to go on it, so nice. yeah, things are good now. Yeah. Um, One nice thing about being from Florida, you get a Florida res, you can get really cheap Florida resident, or not really cheap, cheaper than like what people pay to go to Disney. You get a Florida resident pass for the year. Yep. And my dad used to do some work for Disney, so we got free Florida resident passes. So wow. I could go to Disney like every other weekend as a kid if I wanted to. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good perk. Just don't just don't wander off at all. No. Don't <laughs> just don't wander away. <laughs> you might get eaten. Yeah. Oh. So that hundred how long did it take you to recover from that hundred miler? Well, so um <laughs> And you know where I'm going with this. I know where you're going with this. I know this is a very pointed question you have asked. <laughs> because um I uh Back in, like, June had been, like, or, J- so, Steve Varney, Thasia, and Jacob, and I had all been texting, and we're like, we should do a rim-to-rim-to-rim to rim to rim of right. the Grand Canyon. Right. So, and, for people who don't know what that is, rim-to-rim-to-rim to rim to rim means you go from one edge of the Grand Canyon, you go down it, run across it, climb up the other end, turn around, climb back <laughs> down it, run back across it, and back up the other end, and it, what is it? Is it, like, a... 40 high 40 mile day or something like that it's like 48 depending on how you do the trails on the south end because on the south end there's two trails um and then i forget how much vert a good amount of vert it's a good amount of vert but it's all like you know it's it's a canyon so like it's all stacked into like two climbs yeah (laughs) two wild climbs yeah so um they'd been texting about when to like when we were all free and trying to figure out when to do dates and someone was like oh, how about this day in October? And I was like, yeah, that's a week after my 100 miler, but okay. (laughs) So a week after I had done this race, I fly out to go do a rim to rim to rim of the Grand Canyon. Perfect. Perfect timing. I mean, what better time to do it? Yeah. And what was funny is, so basically we start... And I was actually feeling pretty okay. And we get across the bottom and, um, like, going down, we were all pretty fast. And then coming across the bottom, Steve just has more of, like, a hiking base. Mm. And, like, he, the longest thing he had done was a marathon. Gotcha. Um, so that what like, as, like, actually running. Yeah. Um, so... 
he um, was like doing a bit more of like a fast hike through coming across the bottom of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going up the steep side, it was weird because I'd been like chugging water. I had a lot of electrolytes. Like I felt like I should be hydrated. Yeah. But I just started to get like super dizzy and like Interesting. feeling really like seeing a couple spots. And so mm, I was like, good. this isn't good. No. So we get to the top of the far side and Steve was feeling pretty dead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I feel really weird just in terms of this. Like, my legs and things feel fine, but this feels dizziness and, like, spots feel really off. Yeah. And I feel like going back down doesn't sound like a good idea. So Steve was already about to take the shuttle back, and I was like, I don't want to, like, pass out in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. (laughs) So I decided to go back with Steve, and Thasia starts cruising and does, like, a negative split because he's... (laughs) A beast. <laughs> He's a beast. Yeah. And finishes. Good for they got the motor on that kid. Right. He is a tank. He's a tank. He's such a tank. Which that's what was funny about yesterday. He was feeling his stomach went was bad. Really? He was feeling terrible yesterday. Was, it, was he using his homemade tailwind? Um, he used a little bit of his homemade tailwind. Okay. But he for some reason kinda of, his stomach was like cramping up and his calves were cramping up a bit yesterday. And he was like so confused and he just like it was like oh, what is the analogy I'm looking for here uh, I don't know it's like if uh, Superman had never been around kryptonite and suddenly it was like what's this stuff and why do I feel terrible <laughs> <laughs> like they just like didn't know like, they just doesn't, doesn't know what bonking is <laughs> they just like why does everything hurt what is happening and I'm like Welcome to being a human. Yeah, welcome to being like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so, hilarious. That was kind of funny. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, he is just a fucking tank. Yeah. And like, yeah, so he did, finished it. And so I, I'm kind of, I, I want to go back and finish that. I need some mm. redemption. But. Yeah, that's super fair. So I... I've experienced this too where I've like felt like it's well but you've also run the twisted branch which I'm sure is quite exposed where I was gonna go is like for me doing stuff out east and then like I have very limited experience out west but like the little that I have out west the exposure is just like killer mm-hmm. even if you feel like you're like it's so it's so dry yeah. you can't really feel when you're like, getting dehydrated, because, mm-hmm. like, we, I don't know, the sweat doesn't stick to you, like, it all yeah. just evaporates, yeah, and so, like, we, like, when I did a, I did a marathon with Xander out there, and we were, like, out on these hills outside San Francisco, and I just, like, died, <laughs> and I think it was the exposure, just, like, lots of sun, lots of, um, I don't know, just, like, dry air, but, that's fair, but you've also had other experiences, so, like, out there, um, with lots of exposure, so it might not have been that. Yeah, it felt like, yeah, I've had hard, sunny days out west before, yeah. and so, like, it felt like a way I'd never really felt, and I was just, I kept feeling like I was kind of going to pass out, yeah. and I, when I talk about thinking I was hydrated, I was going based off the amount of water I drank, mm-hmm. and the electrolytes I had, I was like, like, I had, like, four liters or something. Gotcha. Like, I, I'd had... S- I was peeing constantly, and it was clear. Well, so <laughs> this is just a shot in the dark, but it could also have something to do with running a hundred mile or a week before that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
don't know if your theory is correct, but <laughs> I think my body was, it was really just my body saying no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's really what happened. Sometimes that just happens. Then it's brutal to feel that because you don't, like, I feel like you get into this, it's easy to get into a mode of like, oh, I've done, like, uh, I've done a hundred miler, like, this is only 48. This shouldn't be yeah. that hard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's I don't know yeah. like that stuff is always hard and like you always have to be in sort of like the right mindset and the right shape and like it's it's you can never take it for granted because like mm. your body always has to go through the the same kind of pain yeah <laughs> I, I actually I wanted to ask a while ago but I forgot to mm. we so you mentioned the twisted branch 100k how much of that is overlapped with the 100 mile route oh none the twisted branch 100k um is in the Finger Lakes in upstate New York. Oh. Yeah. Just kidding. Okay. These yeah. Are different completely, events. completely different trails. Completely different events. So is Twisted Branch like a a race company or like why are they called Twisted Branch? Oh, um, why are they called that? I think part of the trail maybe is called that. Okay. No, I don't know actually. Interesting. But. That race is super, like, the organization of that race was really fantastic. The race people were awesome. The aid stations were super well done. Mm -hmm. And, like, a bunch of them were, like, community run, which was super cool. Yeah, that's super cool. And, yeah, like, there's, like, multiple spots, like, private land where the owners, like, opened it up to everyone. And oh, that's that was cool. super fun. And, yeah, like, the community was just really cool at that race. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah, I think that definitely, I mean, I've only done one race, but, like, they... I feel like the community aspect of it is, like, a big draw. Like, it's it's cool to be sort of around a community of runners and not just running by yourself in the woods sometimes. Yeah, like, half the fun of doing this is spending time with people. It's, like, meeting yeah. these awesome people and, like, having these experiences together, you know? Right. For sure. Definitely. All right. One other thing I want to ask you about mm -hmm. and get on record okay. for the people <laughs> is... Max Tiny House. <laughs> tell, tell me about what has compelled you to make a tiny house, and when is it happening, and what are you where are you gonna put it? Oh, okay. So, um, I have watched Tiny House videos for years, and I've been seriously wanting to like consider building one one day for like four years now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was, you know, about a year ago, I think is when I decided for sure I was going to actually do it. Yep. Um, so I, you know, I, so basically I'm planning to work for a year. I'm applying to PA school next summer mm -hmm. and then I'll be going somewhere to go to PA school and then like, you know, have clinicals. And then also I'm planning to do one of the, um, rural placement programs where, like you do the rural the loan repayment for living in the middle of nowhere somewhere and providing yep. medical care sure to like pay off my loans and then I'm going to you know also move somewhere else probably yeah so given all of that and just thinking about the fact that I really would wanted to have a sense of like permanent home and ownership over a space Mm -hmm. And have a space that could just be mine, but have that in a way where I could, you know, take it to all these places I'm going to have to go. Right. Um, so, and that's, that's one of the big things about how a tiny house appeals to me. 
So I just decided a year ago, like, I'm going to make this actually happen, especially considering I'm, like, working for a year anyway before I'm applying to PA school, so I have time to make it happen. Mm. So I have gotten at first I like looked into like do I want someone to build it for me am I gonna build it myself how am I gonna mm-hmm. and yeah. then I decided you know part of Newhawk that's been cool is that like I have gotten to learn a lot of like practical building skills we like built that giant war barn is what yeah. we call it <laughs> <laughs> the war barn tool shed from hell the war the war bat the war barn home for tools aka hell <laughs> so you know I've gotten to like learn a lot of skills that way um so, I was like, you know what? I can do this. I, I, I was a part of framing a building before. I can do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm paying a company, um, Tiny House Northeast, to, that gave me, like, framing plans mm-hmm. and, like, a general layout. So, I actually have my framing plans now. They just I just got e- them emailed to me this week. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. And then I'm buying the trailer from them and then doing the construction myself slash I plan to try to convince a lot of friends to come help. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll pro- I'll have like you know, like an old fashioned barn raising except it's a framing party. <laughs> <laughs> right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What is the how tiny is a tiny house? Like what are we talking square footage wise? Uh twenty two feet and then it is uh eight feet wide. So yeah. to be road legal you have to be under eight and a half feet. Gotcha. Um, okay. So eight feet wide um, in terms of the structure means you have room for like the roof eaves slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And then where, uh, where are you, what, where's the first place you're going to take it? Um, I, so. <laughs> or at least where's the first place you, where's the first cool place you want to take it? Well, so it's not one of those tiny houses that meant that's meant to be driven around like a van is. Right. Or, you know, there are tiny houses that are meant to be more like on the road constantly. Yeah. As in like the cabinets close and have latches. My tiny house is more meant to be it's going to move when I physically move locations. Gotcha. Not I'm going to like drive it around because I'm like sleeping in the parking lot here this night. Gotcha, yeah. So uh, it'll be more like made for being moved once, maybe twice a year. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. That's a that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't really thought about like how much you're gonna be moving around in the next few years just for like education and then your career. Like yeah. it makes a lot of sense if you wanna have a place that's like your own and not be sort of just like hopping apartments. Yeah. You know? That'll be that'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. It'll be a great setup. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. Uh, All right. Well how long have we been going here? Uh, hour twenty <laughs> Five. Wow. Good for us. <laughs> I think that's probably a uh, probably good place to call it. That's all the stuff that I had planned. Unless you've got, well, tell the people. Uh, you don't have an Instagram, right? No, I don't really do social media. All right. I'm on Strava. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Strava. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like social media. <laughs> that is very fair. Uh, I understand that. Uh, find Mac on Strava. Uh, She's doing cool stuff all the time. Um, and uh, yeah, send me, remember everyone to send me emails telling me how bad my podcast is. <laughs> read them out on the next podcast. I didn't get any this podcast and I'm very upset about it. So you know, send me your comments and concerns and, uh, and follow the podcast on Instagram or don't. I don't care. 
See you next time. <laughs> Great talking to you, Mac. <laughs> well. <laughs>